Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible was about him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Seth, how are you today? I'm doing well. I've got my cup of hot water. <laughs> <laughs> so ready for that. <laughs> it's getting cold over here in Oklahoma City, and I don't want any more coffee. And so I just get a mug full of hot water. It's, it's, one, it's, one, of, it's it, one of the most endearing things it, about it, you. It warms me. Like It's not as flavorful. But obviously. it's hydrating. Hydrating. It's, it's warm. True. They say you should be drinking things at a warmer temperature anyway. Oh, because your body is already in 90 degrees, you know. Yeah. So your body does less work to. I don't know. I, don't know I think it's like some like yoga nonsense. <laughs> like, like there's like some yogi out there saying like your chakras can only handle a certain temperature. <laughs> and I've like absorbed that somehow. Man. Anyway. Welcome to Micah 3. <laughs> Welcome to Micah 3. Yes. And so just to kind of set us back up where we should be. Okay. Uh, there's twin pieces of bad news mm-hmm. in the book of Micah. You have corrupt leaders within Israel who are oppressing Israel, mm-hmm. and you have oppressive nations coming to attack Israel. Right. And those things are somewhat connected to one another. Uh-huh. Is it because the the, the, peop- the outside oppressive forces coming to attack Israel because the inside leaders are oppressing their own people? Yes. God <laughs> is punishing Israel uh-huh. or disciplining Israel by sending the Assyrians yeah. to come and attack them for their moral evil. Okay. However, the way that it plays out within the story is that Israel is also the architects of their own self-destruction. They are allying themselves with nations like Egypt to betray nations like Assyria. And when Assyria finds out about it, they extract heavier taxes from them and then to pay off these heavier taxes, Israel starts to rob its people more. Oh, so yeah, it's both God's this, punishment, yeah. but it's also Israel's own self-destruction. I see. The snake is eating its own tail. That's right. Okay. And the solution, though, the good news of the book of Micah is that God is going to replace Israel's corrupt leadership structure with a kind shepherd hmm. who not only will deal equitably and not trust in the wrong things anymore, but will also be able to do battle against the oppressive nations that are at Israel and Jerusalem's gates right now. Because mm. like a shepherd, you say shepherd, mm-hmm. like a shepherd both guides his sheep like a good ruler should. Leads him to clean waters right. and still pastures. Yeah. Still pastures? You know. Yeah. Quiet green. waters and yeah. something. Yeah. and But also protects his sheep from threats right. like wolves. That's right. Okay. And each, Micah is separated into three different cycles or three different court cases. And each court case has a reference to this shepherd ruler, this shepherd king, the shepherd yeah. leader who will do exactly that. He'll like bring justice and peace and calm, but also strike the enemy who has attacking the sheep. Okay. And so you said that you said that there's twin pieces of bad news mm-hmm. and then, uh, and, and there's, What's the solution then? For, the solution is the, shepherd. Is, is the shepherd king. Okay. He will replace Israel's old corrupt leadership. Right. And he will lead the nation to attack the enemy. 
and rule the world. Oh, okay. That, that okay. That's yes. what solved it for me because I was like, okay, this shepherd king is going to solve the internal problem in Israel by being a good shepherd. That's right. But he's also going to solve the external problem of the threats of military mm-hmm. attack by actually going out and mm-hmm. fighting off the uh, encroaching armies like that's a right. shepherd would defend against and the wolf. That's how we ended the podcast yeah. last time right. with like Israel's gathered into Jerusalem and then like a breaker. God goes out and destroys 185,000 right. Assyrians in one night. Okay. So, and then you also said that Mike, it's like a court case mm-hmm. and it moves in three different sections. And we're in the middle section, the this second is the cycle. The second one. And each cycle starts with the same word, right? Here. Here. Like, and listen. It, listen. Yeah. yeah. Listen. Um, okay. And in each one, they have different, like, a different emphasis. Uh-huh. And in this court case, the second court case that goes from chapter three to chapter five, uh-huh. is a court case against Israel's leaders. Okay. Great. So, uh, what then in chapter three? What is the specific thing that this court case is addressing against Israel's leaders? Well, the specific thing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so it, he mentions a whole bunch of different types of leaders. He mentions judges. He mentions mm. prophets. He'll mention priests here in a second as well. And then he'll even mention just the nation of Jerusalem. We've already been told that Jerusalem is the reason is the person who's going to mm. be receiving these judgments. But specifically, the prophets and the rulers were supposed to enact justice and remind one another of justice and right. both are failing in their responsibility to do so. Yeah. Um, the king was Israel's judges, let's just start with the the judges. Israel's okay. judges instead of using their courtrooms for justice are using them to cannibalize their citizens. Uh, so here, yeah, literally like uh, chapter three, verse three, uh, you who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones into pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Yeah. So when you don't say cannibal. I mean, it's like they probably weren't literally eating each other. Probably not, but <laughs> they were not. functionally doing so right. by just stripping them bare of any wealth that they had to right. pay off these enemies that were surrounding them or to just prop up their military infrastructure to maybe survive another battle. Right. And these were the people who were supposed to protect the justice and mm-hmm. like the, the, the poor and create yeah. equity. Uh, and, and and then that was supposed to, the justices that, 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 that they enacted inside of Israel was supposed to spill out into the rest of the nations. Yeah. But instead the opposite is happening. They're mm-hmm. cannibalizing their own people and the nations are... Uh, and their evil is encroaching upon them. Yeah, it might be helpful. I think we mentioned in the last podcast, but Israel as a nation is supposed to be this a nation based on God's law, mm-hmm. where justice, equity, fairness, peace reign. And when they follow God's law, the nations of the world are supposed to come to them and and, and join them in that. Yeah, this is the the opposite is happening here. Right. The nations are coming to judge them for their evil, not join them in their justice. Okay, so the judges are warping justice mm-hmm. instead of. Uh, like fighting for the case of the little guy, they yeah. are stealing and cannibalizing yep. from the little guy. And then yep. there's the there's also the prophets. Yep. Uh, verse five talks about the prophets. Mm-hmm. They are going around. I think we talked about this last week that they're going around and they're saying, "Oh, peace. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's fine." Uh, until they're. <laughs> I love this in, in verse five. It says like all the all the prophets they say peace when they have something to eat. But then as soon as they have nothing in their mouths, they go declare war against somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're very fickle prophets. They're fickle prophets. Or another way to understand that, Uh too, is that they're crying peace to all the people that they're robbing. And when those same people they rob can't bribe them off, Mm. they declare war against them. It's another way that they're 
the leaders of Israel are cannibalizing the poor of Israel. Mm. Um, either way. It also seems like a possible uh, like sarcastic pun or something here that they have nothing in the people who put nothing into their mouths, you know, the people who can't yeah. afford the bribe yeah. is like God putting a word in their mouth is the idea yes. of what a prophet is. Right. And now that prophet, instead of depending on God putting a word in their mouth uh, or depending on the, the whatever comes out of the prophet's mouth, their oracle is dependent yeah. not upon God, but upon the bribes of the people. That's fascinating. Like literally buying the word well, of God. Because the, the, the judgment for doing that mm. is they will no longer receive divine revelation. Right. It says that you will be without vision. There, you will be in darkness. You will be without divination. So that's super fascinating. They've decided to trust right. money, money and bribes rather than God. So that's the only div- that's their that's the only God they receive. God gives them what they want in a like, sense. That's exactly right. He's like they don't want to hear from God anyway. They want right. to just make up their own rules about mm-hmm. what God quote unquote is doing. Yes, uh, based on who's paying them the most. Mm-hmm. And so God's like, great, I'll give you what you want. I'll stop talking to you, and you won't hear my voice anymore. The only thing you'll hear is the sound of coins clinking, and those will just diminish over time. Yeah. So the sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the the diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, and there is no answer from God. There's this time that, that God is prophesying, then, of divine silence. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a really intense thing. Yeah, and it, it, I was caught off guard by how assumed God's voice was. Right, I, that's what I was just about to bring like, up. There's yes. like all these prophets in this evil version of Israel that are apparently hearing from God in part, yeah. in some way, speaking to the kings, doing all this injustice, and God's like, okay, I'm done talking to you. He's like, right. wait, you were talking to them at all? Yeah. That's what I kept thinking. I know, it's like because what would be even more offensive is not that they were claiming the title prophet and then making stuff up. What's even more offensive is that they actually were prophets and they were hearing from God, but then mm. putting something else in their own mouth. Yeah. They were making up they were making up the oracles of God, even though they were hearing God's yeah. voice all along. And I mean the the role of a prophet, more than like telling the future, was to interpret the law, to yes. interpret the Old Testament and help the leaders and the judges and the kings ho- remind them of the old standards. Yeah. And so if they know that, but are ignoring that in their advice mm-hmm. to the king. It's like, okay, then I'm going to take away all revelation from you. Right. The little that you had will yeah. be taken from Not you. Not only the divine voice of God, like in kind of a revelatory sense, but also like understanding the Bible. Mm-hmm. is like if they were supposed to interpret God's word yeah. from the Torah, he's going to, and they were obviously yeah. warping that completely. Yeah. Well, oh. Yeah. So we've talked about how this tracks on the story the story of Hezekiah. This was yes. made during the time of Hezekiah. Right. What is lost during the time of Hezekiah and not recovered again until the time of Josiah? The law. The law. Yeah. The actual scriptures were lost and hidden and buried in the walls of the temple or right. the palace. Right. And it wasn't until somebody uncovered it that they were... And then the voice of God return. finally returns oh. and all it does is condemn Josiah, you know, you know, the kingdom after Josiah. Yeah. I was anticipating to go from here to like the divine darkness of like the time between the last prophet and the coming of Jesus. Right. Like there's like this long period of history where we have no, like 400 years of like right. actual human history where after the book of Chronicles, yeah. there's uh, Micah or Malachi. Yeah. There's, there's, the, there's no more 
yeah, prophecies. There's, there's no more prophecies in the uh, Protestant canon. Bible. Right. Yeah. And then uh, until Jesus. Right. And that's what I was kind of thinking yeah. of. But I forgot that there's this whole period of time in Israel's history where God's not speaking, like yeah. to, in a prophetic sense, and the law is literally lost. Right. And then also this could be a reference mm. to exile itself. Because if God lives in the temple and that's where his voice comes from mm-hmm. and that temple is destroyed and the people are exiled from the land, they cannot come near God to hear his voice. Mm. And so there's also a time of silence in in God's revelation because they mm. have no access to God because they don't have the temple anymore. So interesting. And so then when Jesus comes, let's go, let's go yeah, there. Yeah. There is this, at least from a Protestant standpoint, there is this time of silence between mm-hmm. you know the the like the return of Israel uh, from exile uh, coming into the land like Ezra mm-hmm. and Nehemiah that that time and then all the way there's just silence mm-hmm. until Jesus comes and when Jesus comes the good news is you think about mm-hmm. divine silence no word from God yeah John 1 then the word <gasps> comes and becomes flesh in the flesh and then what it, what is he well we had no temple and, and then we finally did have a temple, but was it mm-hmm. the same? No. And like we, so, we were still waiting on the manifestation of God's presence. So the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So now we have mm-hmm. the word of God returning in, in the biggest form of revelation ever in the person of Jesus. But then we also have that word being the mm-hmm. place where God dwells that we can come and meet him again. Well, so this is so fascinating. So in Micah, he does all this rebuke of the prophets to set himself up as the true prophet, because I am filled with power Uh with the spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob, his transgression and to Israel, his sin, Mm. who is Jesus, but the one filled with divine power, filled with the spirit of God coming in justice and might on behalf of the oppressed to declare to Israel their sin. And the religious establishment was one of the primary targets of is of Jesus's ministry. Yeah. Jesus kind of identifies himself even with Micah three, eight here when he quotes um, his uh, Micah's contemporary Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Mm -hmm. right? To bring justice and do mercy and like four. Yeah. in Luke four. And so like, yes, we were right to see Jesus as this Mm -hmm. person who, after a period of darkness and divine silence comes as the one who is filled with the spirit of the Lord to proclaim justice and might. Mm. And yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. And, uh, yeah. uh, I, I'm kind of just lost there for a second. Like, yeah. I was not expecting that turn yeah, really, so quickly. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, and we can wrap up the idea about the judges too here because I mean, so Jesus then comes with, um, the spirit of the Lord in him, and he does not corrupt the law, right? He doesn't do injustice, uh, right? He yeah. perfectly not only teaches the law, but perfectly fulfills the law. He perfectly does justice. He doesn't neglect the poor and the widow, right? He goes right. to them and heals them and brings restoration to them. Mm-hmm. He's the, the kind of judge that Israel longed for in this day. Yeah. And he's he's the good ruler that we so long needed we talked about hope hints yeah oh sets hope hints this is another one of them that i did not intend to be here but it's another hope another hint that the book of micah isn't just about a political time or a time in israel's history Mm -hmm. but it's actually about the messiah about jesus coming to do fully what micah only began yeah man that's amazing 
Uh, verse 9 kind of continues the same thing we've already been on. Hear this, O you heads of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and who make crooked that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem on sin. Whoa. Yeah. And what do you do? They give judgments for a bribe. Right. You get guilty or innocent depending on how much you pay the judge. Right. You, you, you get a prophecy if you pay the, the bill. The priests will make you feel forgiven if you pay them enough money. Sounds um, like indulgences. Yeah, it does sound like <laughs> indulgences. Um, yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? Mm. There's this, um, they are presuming upon. Right. They're, no disaster is going to become us, uh, come upon us because God's with us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're Je- God's chosen yeah, people. Exactly. We're, which is exactly what. The Pharisees say, and then Jesus responds with, I can raise a, raise a son of Abraham from these stones. Or that's John the Baptist. Oh, John the Baptist. Yeah, yeah John the yes. Baptist speaking to the Pharisees says, don't presume to have Abraham as your father. Don't you know that God can raise up children of Abraham from these stones? The Pharisees and the prophets and leaders in Micah's day were assuming because they were Israelites, mm-hmm. because they were God's chosen people, no disaster could ever come to them. God right. would never so fully judge them to send their nation into exile. Right. And think, I mean, and like put it more positively. You could put this more positively. You could say God is a, is a God of loving kindness and faithfulness. He is true mm-hmm. to his word. He never lies. Mm-hmm. And he promised that he would live in Zion, mm-hmm. like that Jerusalem would be his home, that he would dwell in his temple, that he, he brought us into here. He, he rescued us from, from Egypt. He parted the Jordan to let us into the land and rooted out the, uh, the, other, the other nations. He gave us this land. Yeah. He's not going to decimate his own home. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't do that. Right. Right? I mean, that's not who our God is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then this Micah just takes that presumption and just literally flattens it in verse 12. He says, therefore, because of you, those people who are believing those mm-hmm. kinds of things, Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins and the mountain of the house a wooded height. Like he's going to completely flatten the mount of Jerusalem. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the, that's there, there's no way around that right. kind of prophecy. Uh, yeah. And uh, anyway, I just, I, and I'm reminded of Jesus's own words here when he too comes to talk about how he is going to turn the temple into a heap of ruins again. That's right. Not one stone will be left on the other. Jesus says, mm-hmm. uh, he's going to repeat this work of judgment against the house of God. Right. That's right after he's turning over the tables in the temple mm-hmm. where people are unjustly robbing from people in order to make sacrifices. And then right before he goes to the fig tree and says, this thing is going to burn. Right. And we, and everybody listening, keep that in your mind, that story of Jesus clearing the temple of him wanting to tear it down uh, of all that, because uh, Jesus is going to continue to fulfill the storyline of, of Micah in the next chapter. That's right. Which is really exciting. So God has just prophesied through Micah that Jerusalem will be leveled for its corruption mm-hmm. and for its presumption. Yes. Um, that's that's the prophecy. Right. The the mountain is going to be made flat. And then the next verse. <laughs> but it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and peoples shall flow to it. So we just, just remember the imagery. 
the mountain of God was flattened into a heap of ruins and now it's being raised up to be the highest of mountains in all the world. And now, instead of nations coming to it to destroy it, uh-huh. they're going to come to it to look for justice. Right. It's amazing. Okay, I know this is kind of out of our typical order. Yes. But I cannot help but think about this. It's just kind of funny. So, you know, Jesus talked about how he was going to destroy the temple and then raise it up in three days. Yeah. Uh, and then the people bring an accusation against him. They're like, it took us years to build this temple. Right. Do you presume to build it again in three days? I just can't imagine how like, yes. even more exacerbated that imagery becomes when it's a mountain. It's like, you know, like take whatever right, right. view you want of, of how Geology. mountains are formed. Yeah. But it's just like, it either took... God, God had to call this mountain up out of nothing, you know, or right. it took... Uh, all this erosion and tectonic plate shifting and everything to form a mountain and you're going to level it and then you can just do that again in right. one, in la- in latter days <laughs> like you can't just reform mountains once they're decimated that doesn't happen it doesn't happen or does it or does it it just uh, it just like heightens that for me it, it it's supposed to right it's supposed to feel like an impossibility once again mm-hmm. just because like the remember the the name Micah means who is like our god yeah. It's, it's meant to be like, who can flatten a mountain and then raise it back up again? Who can destroy a city and then build it back better than it was? God. God can. Anyway. That's really cool. Okay. So all the nations will stream to it now looking for justice. Yeah. yeah. And, and they'll say this. And then Micah says, this is what the nations of the earth will say. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and walk in his path. Think about how radically different this is mm. from the Jerusalem we know based on what Mike has already said, yeah. the one that are cannibalizing their own. They're making treaty after treaty, increasing the national debt, and then yeah. robbing their own people to pay for it. Right. Like, this is the justice of Israel. Yeah, I mean, they're on trial. They're on they're trial. Mo- they're, they're cannibals on trial. I mean, imagine, like, imagine a court case where a convicted cannibal is on trial for eating hundreds of his own people. And then, like, a little bit later, someone comes in and be like, you see that guy up there on trial? Pretty soon, he's going to teach the whole world how to live justly. You'd be like, no, you maniac. (laughs) What is happening here? (laughs) And I think there's an important lesson there, too. It's like, I don't know if it's the same person. Mm. I think Micah imagines the the fall of Israel's leadership and the raising up of a remnant from within Israel, which is language that he'll use later. But that's a a helpful way. It's like the same nation nation. that was implicitly involved with these corrupt leaders. Right. But it's also... When somebody has suffered injustice Mm -hmm. and that person is placed in power, he rules as if he knows what that's like. I'm reminded of Jesus. He sympathizes with us on our weaknesses, which uniquely makes him able to be our priest. If you have a remnant that has a history of injustice now given leadership, Mm. that leader should create a world of justice where all oppressed throughout the world will come to him knowing they can find it. Right. Yeah. Totally. So... Oh, that's Micah so is prophesying a day when that will be true. And from out of Zion shall go forth the law, God's law, and the word of the Lord will come from Jerusalem, the city that was just raised to the ground. Yes. And he, who he, we don't know yet, mm. shall judge between many peoples and he shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. So the idea is that you have all these nations throughout the world warring with one another. Yeah. They don't know who's right. There's injustice been done on both sides. And they will come to Israel to settle disputes and right. to become at peace. 
Yeah, it's like I mean, imagine just I mean, put this in our own in our own world for a second, and it's like imagine there being such a perfectly just leader who just gets it so well and leads so well and understands how to speak to people so well that um, is the, the leaders from the Israeli and Pakistani conflict mm-hmm. are like, we got to go talk to him because he'd be able to help us figure this out. You know, like, yes, that's exactly right. Y- y- I mean, it's like uh, America and Afghanistan mm-hmm. would be able to like go to this leader and be like, how do we finally untangle this mess? Now the Taliban's in Afghanistan again. Right. How do we fix this? He was like, oh, I've got it. And it's like, oh, thank you. You know what? Now that you've done this, and I'm going to skip ahead. Now yeah. that you've done this, you know, all the Israeli and Pakistani soldiers, all the American armories and, and, and military bases, all the AK-47s that the Taliban have, you know what? We're just going to get rid of those because we don't need them anymore because you've, you've fixed everything. We don't yeah. have to fight anymore because you've settled all our disputes, which is what yeah. he gets to when he says they're going to beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. They're going to take weapons of war and transform them into weapons of agriculture. Yeah, for growth, new life, new vitality. life instead of death. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's a, and I think this is a, a little bit different picture than I normally think of, like the kingdom of God, mm. like the city on a hill. Like, yeah. I mean, this, that's the language he uses here of like the church, it, the new Israel, yeah. who, however you want to talk about it, is supposed to be such a paragon of justice mm. that those watching run to it uh-huh. in order to receive justice for themselves and learn how to be at peace. Yeah. That's such, it's like, I don't normally think about like that as like the way the kingdom of God works mm-hmm. or even like whenever I think about like the final kingdom of God, when God comes, it's yeah. like, well, all the enemies are gone. So it's just good people left. Oh, right. But like, there's this interesting sense that like God imagines a city established where people look at the justice and the goodness and the peace within it, and they want more of it. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Like, lean into that with like the the new heavens and new earth, because doing it here and now makes it is a whole thing, we, which we can talk about it. But like the new heavens and new earth, let's imagine Jesus comes. He's the new ruler, mm-hmm. right? He is this new ruler who decides disputes among the nations. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think I think about it like, well, there's no bad people anymore, so all the disputes are are flipped on a switch, turned off. Yeah, and. And it's just like magic, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be magic. Right. It doesn't have to be that all of the sudden people just stop doing mm. wrong things. Okay. But the presence of the ruler, the presence mm. of this king is so good and so different that it stops the disputes. Mm. That like nation, like, I mean, just imagine, suspend all of your preconceived notions about what heaven's going to be. And just imagine for a second that it is the new heavens and new earth and heaven comes down to earth just the way it is right now. Okay. And yeah, sure, only Christians are here, but we're kind of still the same-ish as we are. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm bending categories. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. But like, imagine that happens. And yeah, you still have you still have Christian Jews and Christian Palestinians and you still have mm-hmm. Christian Afghans and Christian Americans. And there's mm-hmm. all these... Right, all these divisions. divisions that still exist. But when mm-hmm. the ruler comes, we actually do get to inhabit that moment mm-hmm. where it's like, Jesus will know how to fix this. And the reason yeah. why there's peace mm-hmm. is not necessarily magic, right? but there's well, a good ruler. I mean, that's, that's a picture of the church, right? Yes. Shouldn't there be able to be Christian Israelis and Christian Palestinians worshiping in the same building? Yeah. Yes. Right. And there are. And there are. Yes, there are. They're like they're, This happens in churches all across the world yes. all the time. People from 
traditionally divided warring groups or worshiping together. together. In the fact that we at all, Christ, I mean, Gentiles, people that are not Jewish that are worshiping at all is based on the fact that we have, we saw the ruler Jesus. Yeah. We ran to that city and we were grafted into a, an ancient Israeli yeah. Jewish faith. I mean, I'm thinking even about just like the current political climate here in America, where it's just like, mm-hmm. there's Republicans and Democrats, you know, and it's just like yeah. super divided and there's there's uh you know the vaccinated and the anti-maskers mm-hmm. and all this stuff and it's like even in my own home church there are both those parties mm-hmm. and both of them are loud yeah but like we come together and we put all that down yeah and we worship put and we're in back. community group together yeah. and we love each other mm-hmm. and like you know it's like that's yeah. kind of amazing with yeah. how fractured and angry everyone is right now mm-hmm. i'm like I, I think it'd be much easier to have this conversation mm-hmm. about how the church isn't doing this right but it's also like, it is. It is happening. <laughs> yeah. It is happening. So I'm encouraged by that. Well, Micah N continues this prophecy. So the nations are flooding into Jerusalem to receive justice and goodness. People are flooding into the church to receive justice and goodness. Yes. But they, referring to the people running in, shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, mm-hmm. and no one shall make them afraid. Yeah. Um, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Mm-hmm. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of their God, but we will walk in the name of our Lord, our God, forever Oof, and ever. Two big things here. Two big things Okay, here. so the first is this, every man shall sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. On a really meta level, and we talked about this a lot, I think, last week, mm-hmm. the, 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 everybody having their own plot of land is what he's talking about. You get a vineyard and a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, you, you get your 40 acres and a mule. You know, yeah. you've got your plot of land. And um, that is a reference to the equitable division of land that God gave his people when they entered Canaan. Mm-hmm. It's a reference to how things were supposed to be in the Garden of Eden, how they were supposed to be under King Solomon, all yeah. of whom are referencing yeah. figs the whole time. Yeah, the very first time this f- actual phrase was used is in uh, Second King, or sorry, First Kings 4, mm. when Solomon finally establishes a, ra- a reign of peace. Oh, That's yeah. when the first time this... Every vine, every fig tree. It's yeah. like God's king yes. set up God's kingdom with God's temple, and everybody is what? Back at the garden. Right. Everyone's got their own vine. Yep. It's producing grapes. We got their own figs. They're eating sweet things. Yeah. We had the land we were assigned yeah. to have. Which is markedly different than what's going on right now. Yeah. Because right now the you know, the, the rulers have nine hundred fig trees and vines and yes. the poor have zero. Yeah. And they have moved boundary markers and taken land and seized properties and now and god's talking about a time when he will redistribute that land yeah to the people all the earth will be a garden of eden and all of us will own a piece of eden yeah and we will feel like it's fair and enough and generous and we won't be at war anymore and we won't be afraid anymore yeah we won't be afraid anymore which is i think I mean, the other interesting thing here yeah. is that these words, mm-hmm. so they were descriptive of the Garden of Eden in one sense, descriptive of like the Congress of Canaan, yeah. descriptive of Solomon, but King Sennacherib, mm. the Assyrian general who arrayed 185,000 troops against 
Israel yeah. outside, against Jerusalem specifically, right. lined his troops up outside their gate. The people of Israel were shut in Jerusalem like a sheep pen. We yep. talked about this last week. He quotes this description of Solomon's kingdom. Yeah. And he says, you won't find that with your God, uh-huh. but you will find it with me. Yeah. If you just surrender, I will give you your own vine and your own fig tree. And besides, all the other gods of all the other nations... They've bowed before me, mm. and he lists all these other gods. Right. And so when Micah comes here, living at the same time of that battle, he's saying, Sennacherib is wrong. Right. The vine and fig tree are found in the name of our God alone. Yeah. Yes, all those other gods fell. Mm. Of course they did. There is only one God, and it's with ours. Yeah. And so, and what do the people do? They trust in that one God, and the Assyrians are destroyed. Yeah. Like it's a picture of what's happening right here. Man, I'm I just I was not expecting to be reminded of this, but I just am. Like in the same context where Jesus is talking about himself as the vine mm-hmm. in John, that's whenever he says that uh like that he is the way and truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through yeah. him. It's just like we walk in the name of one God, mm, Jesus. Right. And not only does he promise to give us our vine and our fig tree, like he is the vine. I don't know. I was just like no, reminded of that. That's good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. We were talking like this. Anyway, there's, there's, a, there's a huge, there, there's like, there might be a bigger theme of fig leaves and figs throughout and the vines. Bible and vines. Yeah. And we, yeah. I don't know if we're ready to talk about we're it. We're not yet, ready to talk about but it, but it's if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're curious, think about the first time figs were mentioned in Bible. Mm. In Ad- in the garden, when Adam and Eve cover their shame, and right. then one of the solutions to that shame is having a garden kingdom with figs, right. and that yeah. shame is reversed, and you're given the thing that we once tried to hide with. Right, and, and you were using the fig leaf to cover your shame. Your body was going under the fig leaf, and now yeah. he's saying you will dwell under a fig tree. Right. To hide yourself from the sun, to be shaded from, you know, it's like, there's something here. Just, just, just think just about that. Just go think about it. Just go think of it. We haven't developed our thoughts fully yet, but we're going down that line. Yeah. That's the video that will never be released. That's right. But we yeah. just had fun talking about it's it for so a couple true. minutes. Okay. Um, Micah goes on. He just he, keeps going. He just keeps going. He says, in that day, declares the Lord, he describes the type of people that will come into this new city. The lame. I will gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame, I will make the remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion for this time forth and forevermore. Yes. Okay. So remember that little piece of information I told everyone to keep in their heads. Yes. About about Jesus clearing out the temple and, and saying that he was going to destroy it and all this stuff. Here's where Jesus then picks up the rest of that story because after he drove out the money changers mm-hmm. symbolically stopping the sacrificial system of the temple mm-hmm. and pushing pause on it for a second making it you know prophesying a, its destruction a yeah. quote-unquote heap of ruins for a moment yeah. Yeah. uh yeah prophesying its destruction what who comes to him in the temple at that at that point who is oh. it to come the lame and the blind and the blind <laughs> the people oh. that micah says are going to come in Jesus is reenacting the prophecy of Micah in the temple, which is no wonder why the, the, mm. the religious leaders get so mad is because they see that he is embodying mm. the prophecy of Micah, not against the old Israel that was destroyed, but against them. Right. And now they're the new like religious Corruptly. elites, the corrupt mm-hmm. leaders that are going to be judged. 
Uh-oh. Oh, I, I did not pick up on oh, that. That's man. amazing. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. <laughs> Jesus knew his Bible. <laughs> the mean, Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion yes. on Jerusalem's hill. At the place where he is right now. From this time forth and forevermore. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So Jesus did this. <laughs> and, and, this and to you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, for to you it shall come. The former dominion meaning like the dominion of King David, mm. the dominion of Solomon, the, the, the dominion with God. Yeah. Kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Wow. It's so like God's people will have a king yep. in the moment when the lame and the blind come to the new place of justice mm. after he overturns the corrupt religion of the Pharisees. Okay, I want to go back to something you said at the very beginning of the episode mm -hmm. because it really starts to come into play here. You talked about how there are these, these external threats of these armies coming against Jerusalem to judge their rulers. So you have two problems. The mm -hmm. external threat of an army, the internal threat of bad rulers. Yeah. And you said that there is going to be one solution to both of those problems. Mm -hmm. And here we're going to see what that solution is. And it's so clever that Micah literally has to tell us that we don't get it. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. So I also, walk, yeah. What I also love about this is it subverts like a classic Christmas thing. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, there's a very famous prophecy in Isaiah that calls Jesus our Prince of Peace, our wonderful, wonderful counsel counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And like that's like a classic thing that we classic classic thing. And when I always think about the word counselor, yes, I always think about a like a, a therapist, oh, like some yeah. or a like um, an older, about? wiser person, yeah. giving me some sage advice. Yeah, I think about like a like a like a yeah like an old yeah like an old wise sage coming to a king and being like. Yeah. My lord, do not be rash in your decisions. Something like That's, that. Yeah. <laughs> but the better translation of the word counselor in mm -hmm. both Isaiah and here has nothing to do with therapy or like <laughs> sage advice. Right. It's about like military strategy. Yeah, it's like a tactician. A tactician. And so... Yeah, when you turn this noun into a verb, it, it becomes the word like to plan. To like strategize. To strategize. So what's interesting in this next paragraph we get God described as an expert, a wonderful tactician, an yeah. extraordinary strategist. Yeah, and we're talking about we're talking about armies in Babylon. So he's a Assyria. war. Yeah, and Babylon is in is in chapter ten. Oh, he is. He is right there. Yeah, uh, and so he's like a war strategist. It right, was just like a. a Cool, fun so, way to start. So just to God start to this. seed your imagination with God is a good advice teller. Yes. He is a sage man with right. advice for you, but also add to your depiction of God as a gifted military tactician in a war room. Yeah. And here is what's happening. So we've just got all these prophecies about a leader who is coming to save Israel, to gather the lame. But right now Israel is almost in ruins. Right. There's, yeah. I mean, to put it bluntly, it's like we've got... Uh, you almost have like a, con a contradiction here. He's like, you're going to be destroyed. I'm going to flatten your mountain mm -hmm. and you will be saved and live on a big mountain. You're like, you'll be raised up. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth, Micah. How is this possible? 
Yes. Well, you need a wise war tra- tactician to and, figure that one out. And so what he was, so what Micah says is that it's actually through your exile mm-hmm. that the strategist is planning your liberation. Yep. Your counselor yeah. has not perished. And then he says this, your pain is like labor pain and it actually prophesies the birth of something new. Right. So he, what he's saying is he's saying your exile into Babylon, your exile into Assyria, the, dis- the coming prophesied destruction of Jerusalem for its evil is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to cry and wail because God is using that to bring about your ultimate liberation and the birth of of a coming ruler. Right, in the same way that you can't have a new child, like a baby born without mm-hmm. labor, you know, you 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 Israel cannot be raised up the way I want to raise you up unless you first go in exile. There you shall be rescued. In Babylon you shall be rescued. Right. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Yeah, it's like uh here's why he's a a, a war tactician is like this is a behind enemy lines strategy. Yeah. You know, he's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to sneak you in behind enemy lines. They're going to think they're winning. Yeah. And then it's there that we're going to unleash our surprise. It's a Trojan horse. Yeah. It's a Trojan yeah. horse. Yes. But for the gospel. Yes. <laughs> okay. And now many nations are assembled against you. So that's like the future hope, like yep. the future bad news, but the future strategic surprise. But now many nations are assembled against you. Um, and that many nations is a, a nod to the Assyrian army and all the mercenaries they paid off. And again, the 185,000 people yeah. around Jerusalem. That's probably the best image to have in your mind for the yeah. whole book of Micah. And they're saying, let her be defiled and let her eyes gaze upon Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. The animations mm. do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They don't understand his plan, his strategy. He has gathered them. They think they're gathering to exploit your weakness, military weakness, Israel, but God has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor for Mm. them to be harvested. Dang. They don't get it. God is going to use the invasion to defeat the enemies. Yeah. He set a trap. You set a trap. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, God is a a war tactician, Uh uh, both using this battle to judge the enemies of Israel and save Israel through their exile. Yeah. Okay. And then he's described like an armorer. An armorer? <laughs> an armorer. Uh, he says, arise and thresh. So they're like sheaves that need to be harvested. So arise and thresh, which you would normally do with an oxen. Mm. And I will make your horns of iron. So he like, imagine like the, the horns of an oxen being gilded with iron oh, by God. Yeah. I'll make your hooves into bronze and you will beat in pieces many people it gets violent but and shall devote their gain to the lord and the wealth to the whole lord of the earth israel's oppressors will be destroyed yeah he's going to turn israel's oppressors into grain and israel into a golden ox yeah (laughs) that's a cool image yeah uh man i just can't i just can't stop thinking about jesus like god through jesus performing the ultimate trap of a wise war tactician Mm-hmm. You know, that it's like the cross was the ultimate trap for the enemy. He thought that they were killing the the, the son of God. But in crucifying Jesus, the enemies of, of God actually brought about their own demise. Yeah, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 2.8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Which would be the, uh, not not people probably, but like the... Yeah. Oh man. Or it could I, be. It I, could. I should read more of this context because this is actually really in, uh, interesting. He says this: 
we speak about the mysterious and hidden wisdom of God, mm. the mysterious hidden strategies, strategies and wisdom of God, yeah. which he destined for our glory uh-huh. before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it because if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Yeah. Man, yeah, they didn't get, I mean, verse 12, this is this is chapter 4, verse 12 of Micah. They didn't get his thoughts. They didn't know his mm-hmm. thoughts. They didn't understand his plan. If they had, they would not have let Jesus go to the cross mm-hmm. because they would have known that that would have meant their destruction in the same way that the flattening of the mountain of Zion actually brought about its ascendance. Mm-hmm. So did the flattening of Jesus on the cross bring about his resurrection and resurrection mm-hmm. life for all people. I mean, it's amazing. The cross is the ultimate trap of the of the tactician God. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, Satan, the devil, the world, Rome. Everybody. Everybody. Thought that killing Jesus would be the best way to win. It would solve their problem. The Pharisees thought, we kill Jesus, our problems are solved. The Romans thought, we get rid of a political insurrection. Yep. Everyone yeah, thought their Satan problems thought, were, yeah. Satan thought, <laughs> kill, kill redemption the of God. For, the, yeah, yeah the, the people of God would be killed when Jesus was dead. Opposite. It, opposite. God, he <laughs> traps them in their own plans. Right. Which is like another major theme in Micah is just like, a ironic justice for everything, which I think we'll get mm-hmm. to here in a second. Yeah. That God always ends up using our sin to mm-hmm. to be its own punishment, to trap us in it. Yeah. Which is which is even the judgment of a military power coming to judge Israel first. Yeah. Is an ironic judgment because they trusted in military might and power. That's right. But then to use another military to like to another type of army to lead them back out is a double irony in the <laughs> fact that you wouldn't expect God to save in the same way that you sinned. Yeah. I I love I also love this idea of God as this wise tactician weaving together all these different threads because uh, sometimes when I've I've sat down with friends to read the Bible uh and I'll I and like some of this stuff will come out, you know, and yeah. we'll start weaving together these crazy threads throughout the whole Bible and uh they'll ask like, "Okay, so was this actually like intended or are you just like putting all this together?" Like when we talk about this type of yeah, like, are you seeing, seeing something Jesus. that's not there? Right, right, right. And I'm like, God is a wise tactician making crazy yeah. plans and ironic reversals to prove that He is who He says He is. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Second Corinthians that that part you just quoted mm-hmm. was it Second Corinthians? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Sorry, uh, that that you quoted like proves the point that it's like He's had a plan from eternity past, mm-hmm. like that that stumped all the evil rulers both physical and spiritual yeah and it's it's interesting in first corinthians one um paul continues to riff on that same idea about how the wisdom of god the hidden wisdom of god mm-hmm. is in death yeah. it's foolishness to the gent it, to the gentiles it's foolishness to the jews it's a yeah. stumbling block for the jews but it's actually in death and then resurrection after death that's the wisdom of god that's yes. the tactic of god and then he even does this with like things in the world like don't seeds have to die before new life is grown yeah same book first corinthians 15 doesn't winter have to come before the spring hasn't god ordained the universe in a series of many deaths and resurrections isn't this the hidden wisdom of god in plain sight right don't you know when you put a seed in the ground something completely different pops up and don't you know this kind of thing has to die before life comes like he's yeah he's woven that hidden nature into the world Mm. and we fight it like i mean to to put it in, in like a more moral way, like we fight it so hard that the kingdom of God doesn't make sense to us when he says like, if mm. you want to be the greatest, be the least. Mm. If you want to live, die. If you want to follow me into eternal life, take up your cross. Yeah. is like the way 
uh, God's thoughts are so far above our yeah. thoughts. His plans are above our plans that we get to life through death. And think about Israel who presumed that nothing bad could happen to them. They had this presumption that they would be, like God said, mm. the nation that would bless the world. Right. But how do they pursue that? Through military power. Trying to be great themselves. By trying to be great themselves. Yeah. And God humbles them for it. Yep. But when they hu- when they when are they totally are humbled, humbled and dead, <laughs> they are rise up as the highest of the mountains yep. and the nations flow to it. Yep. I mean, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus, the highest of all high powers, humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross. And because he did, God exalted him to his mm. throne so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Well, we've already kind of talked about one Christmas verse with Wonderful Counselor. Yes. We get to talk about another great Christmas verse here in chapter five. Man, we are just, it's the season. It's the, tis the season. Tis the season. The only time of the year I say tis is, is it? the season. Oh, man. Tis man. it? Did oh. you say tis it? I t- tis it. <laughs> I, I say, man, tis, tis, tis almost Halloween. I never, I, I, I I've never that. done that. Tis, tis, a, um, tis a bright morning. Okay, anyway. <laughs> in... Knowledge of the fact that God is going to give Israel the nation, the, the lame are going to flood to Israel, and they're going to be mm-hmm. they're going to judge the nations and rule well. Micah calls uh, Israel to gather her troops together, mm-hmm. gather together, um, because Assyria is about to attack them, which mm. is interesting. Here. Yeah, I'm like I, I'm so off in the distant future. <laughs> To, to be pulled back down to the siege that Assyria uh, right. comes in with against Israel, I was not prepared for. Um, but I think that's what's happening. Yeah, it is strange. I mean, if he's saying, like, you must go into exile and be defeated in order to come home and be uh, liberated, mm-hmm. he's saying, so just get ready for it. Get your troops together because you're going into a losing battle. Yeah. It's really weird. You well, know, it's like it's like... Hey, you're gonna be, you're about to go into a lot of pain whenever you go into labor. Right. So you're not gonna be able to avoid it. There's a baby on the other side. Yeah. So you have to go through labor. So yeah. go ahead and get your go bag ready. Yeah. Get the car gassed up and get ready to go to the hospital. I, I think that might be the vibe yeah. for this verse. And with a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. So mm-hmm. there's like there's justice coming against the oppressive leaders. Like yes. it's it's unavoidable. And but I also just love that phrase like striking the judge of Israel on the cheek. Yeah, and I'm just like I just think cheeks and then the other cheek from from <laughs> Jesus. I don't know if this is a connection to make, but like when Jesus turns the other cheek, he dies to resurrect. Right. And so Israel here Same they've been struck happening. on one cheek. They go into battle. They'll be struck again down to the bottom, but yep. they will be raised again. Right. And it is also interesting. He's like they will strike the judge of Israel on the cheek, but. And then it talks about the Messiah. Yes. The but, other cheek is the Messiah. <laughs> but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, uh, Ephrathah. Ephrathah, which means fruitful. Oh. Like the figs. Like the figs. <laughs> like the, it's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> this is probably only funny to us because we've been having fig conversations off air. All day about figs. <laughs> um, but yes, 
this is the Christmas part. This is the Christmas part. Yeah. But to you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be named among the clans of Judah, and too little is probably more like insignificant. Yeah. Bethlehem was never mentioned in Joshua's census. Right. Uh, Bethlehem wasn't mentioned in one of the military cities at the beginning it's not of Micah. Tribes. It's not like yeah. It's like it's this tiny, insignificant, humble place. Yeah. But from you shall come forth for me mm. one who is to be ruler in Israel. There's a whole bunch of like allusions here to King David. Yes. So one Bethlehem, Bethlehem. is where G- David was born. Right. But when we're first introduced to David as a soldier uh-huh. in 1 Samuel 17:12, we're told that he's from the town of Bethlehem. His father is an Ephraimite and he comes from the clan of Judah. Whoa. And then when Samuel anoints David, God tells Samuel to anoint a leader for me. Oh, he's so it's repeating like, that anointing ceremony. So there is a new coming son of David from Bethlehem who will be God's anointed to bring Israel back into justice. And I just can't get over the end of verse two there that says that this leader's coming forth is from, from of old, old, from ancient days. Yes. And I'm like, is this David? Like, is that only David? Or is he reaching back even farther? I think... David, most certainly. At the the very least, it's David. Most certainly from David. My commentator like goes a little in detail on this, and I didn't read it closely enough, but he Uh said it could mean from eternity past. Right. The ancient of days. But it most certainly means from David. Either way. Either way. God has a plan plan. from the insignificant Jesse, the insignificant Bethlehem. Which, again, is the same point he's been making. You want life? Go to the insignificance of the grave. Mm-hmm. You want a mighty king? Go to your most insignificant town. Mm-hmm. It's how God's kingdom works. Yeah. It's no wonder that Jesus so often in his parables and in his teaching when he talked about the kingdom, talked about it this way. Mm-hmm. That the greatest shall be the least. It's always how God works. And it's yeah. so interesting. Yep. Okay. And then, um, and he, verse four, shall stand and shepherd his flock mm. in the strength of the Lord. That's that image of a shepherd again. This shepherd from the line of David. Yeah. Who, David was a shepherd. He was uh, a shepherd. Who will come in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And he will, and they, Israel, Jerusalem, shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he, this new coming ruler, mm. will be their peace. Oh, I love that too, that it's he will be their peace, not yeah. he will bring peace or win peace or fight for peace, mm-hmm. but that their peace will be in him. It's kind of like what we yeah. talked about with all the divided rulers and nations. It's not yes. that this king just came and just decimated everyone mm-hmm. and is now like creating peace through a dictatorship. Right. It's that. His presence mm-hmm. brings peace because like, let's just go talk to him because I think he's got it figured out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. The next uh, the next part of this verse brings us back to the, the, the to Assyria. Okay. So we probably should mention this. Mm. We've mentioned it a couple times obliquely, but it's like important to name. Micah is prophesying during a very specific reign in Israel's history. Right. And so a lot of these prophecies have, have double fulfillment. Right. We jump to Jesus really quick because we get excited about that. Yes. But we've mentioned the Assyrian siege um, from yep. 1 Kings 18. We mentioned Josiah. We mentioned Josiah. And here again, when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise up against him with seven shepherds and eight princes of men. And they shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword in the land of Nimrod at its 
entrances and he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Mm. So we have another like political thing. And this, I think, is referring to Babylon when they raise in power and overthrow Assyria. Right. So Assyria comes and overthrows the northern kingdom of Israel. Almost, almost overthrows the southern kingdom. Right. But they're pushed back by God's hand. But then Babylon raises in power and overthrows them. Right. So like, I think that's what he's talking about here. Makes sense to me. God is in control of the nations, shepherding his people into peace at all times. Yeah. That's what's happening. Amazing. And so that happens. And then, I mean, if you, if you were going to keep reading this historically, Mm -hmm. then verse seven would be like, and then the remnant of Jacob, right? It's Mm -hmm. like those people left over when Babylon comes, but probably not the right way to read it, but maybe. Uh, Well, and the remnant shall be in the midst of many peoples. Oh, right. So yeah, he's talking about, um, when Israel goes into exile, mm-hmm. they're going to be taken out into exile. And, you know, some clans will be taken over to Babylon. Some will go to Assyria. We'll read about in Esther how some are in Persia. They're, they're just all spread out everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, like, you get into the New Testament, and there are Jewish synagogues all over the place. Ethiopia, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because of the exile. Yeah. Which is really interesting. It's, it's almost like another Tower of Babel. Oh. Because you have a large structure... Mm-hmm. Right, that yeah. it was ending up being some kind of religious affront to God, yeah, and so God decimates and scatters the people into mm-hmm. the nations. Then it was as a curse, and even now it's as a curse for Israel. But it will be through this mm-hmm. exile that God will bless the nations, and like mm-hmm. God, like put His people behind enemy lines all over the world, mm-hmm. so that when the message of the gospel through the apostles started going mm-hmm. around the Roman Empire and beyond it. God's church yeah. was able to be raised up as a multi-ethnic, multinational community as it was intended to be, reversing the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Yeah. And he describes this uh, people of God as like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass. Uh, like those are signs of blessing. Dew, yeah. showers, like you're in Babylon, you're in Assyria, you're in Persia, but God's people will be a blessing to mm. the nations, yeah. even in exile. Um but then a remnant of Jacob shall be called shall be among the nations and miss many peoples, but they shall also be not just a blessing, but like a lion among the beasts of the forest. The king of the jungle. The king of the jungle. He it, they're not just victims. Right. They're ruling yes. from exile, which I mean the story of Esther, the story of yep. Daniel. Right. You have people within scripture who rule from exile despite what should be the case. Yeah. You have lions protecting the flock of God in the middle of the wolf pack. Mm. Like, yeah. Interesting. Super cool. And your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries and all your enemies shall be cut off. God's yeah. people will be protected even in exile. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, same point being made again and again and again. Yeah. That it's in death, in exile, in subjugation that God will win victory. Yeah. Yeah. It just harkens back to the cross and mm-hmm. the defeat of the grave over and over and over again. That, I mean, so, and then Micah 5 ends. Mm-hmm. So generally the pattern ends with the promise of a shepherd. Here this court case is real, and right. then it ends with a promise of a shepherd king. Yes. That's happened here already. Yep. And you would expect his oracle to end and move on to the third court case. He, But he kind of doubles down on judgment again for yes. Israel. You have a lot of hope in exile, in death. It's all good. It's like God's in control still. But in that day, declares the Lord, when you're carted off into exile, I will cut off your horses from among you, the same horses you trusted. I will destroy your chariots. I will cut off your cities and I'll throw down your strongholds. I'll cut off your sorceries. You'll have no more tellers of fortunes. 
I'll cut up your idols and all your pillars and you'll bow down to them no more. To the works of your hands, you'll bow down to no more. Yeah. Everything in Israel that caused them to stray, mm-hmm. their military, the idol, their idols, witchcraft, will be cut out. Yeah. It, God is sending them into Israel, into exile, as a remedial thing. It's not yeah. like that God is pruning there's a reckoning for Israel to cleanse Israel to make her into the remnant that can lead with justice. Yeah. As they can if they if they still go all in on the military when they get back in the land, they go all in on witchcraft, they go all in on idols again, they will not be the nation of justice that blesses the world that people stream and flock to right. to turn their weapons of war into, yeah. into farming equipment. It's a it's a severe mercy that God uh-huh. is acting against them. He's like, "I'm going to exile you to cut you off from your mm-hmm. addictions." Yeah. Like you're addicted to idols, you're addicted to false witches and sorcerers Mm -hmm. like you're addicted to your military and your dependence on chariots and you know weapons of war i'm just gonna cut you off you're gonna go cold turkey Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put you in a place where you have no power where you can't get to your religious cultish environments anymore Mm -hmm. and you're gonna have to learn to depend on me yeah and from there i'm gonna bring you back as a remnant um Man, that's uh, that's amazing. It also made me think about like how we've been talking about how the reign of the kingdom of God, the reason it brings peace is not because it's magic, but because it's practical. Mm-hmm. Like, and one of the practical ways that God will free us from all the evil in the world when we enter into the new heavens and the new earth mm-hmm. is that we will be cut off from all the yeah. evil things that are around us. Like, mm-hmm. we won't have access to them anymore, which right. is like really good news. I want to be. I want right. to be cut off from the things that I want. I don't want there to be billboards anymore. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, there are just things in the world that I'm ready to be gone. I think one way to th- think about this is what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. The Holy Spirit does what the prophets and the judges were supposed to do, but failed to do. Mm-hmm. He writes the law on our hearts and helps us interpret the law for a new generation in a new place. Right. He cuts out all the old sin that used to define our motivations and trains us and brings us closer and closer to what God's will is. Like this is the Holy spirit too. Like he's God has come and cutting these things out from us, pruning us, reckoning us to our sin, isolating ourselves by like, I mean, we've talked about Peter, how Peter were exiles. We're chosen by God to be exiles. We're taken out of the world to be pruned from the things of the world to become God's people and lead in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I think of Acts as well, where this this stuff actually happened because the Holy mm, Spirit came that's right. on communities. That's right. You had the Holy Spirit coming onto a community, and they burned all their spell books. Like they were witches, and they burned their spell books. You know, this actually happened. Like yeah. you had you had um, a community um, giving up all their idols. You know, and mm-hmm. like dashing them to pieces yeah. so much so that the local idol maker ended up doing violence against mm-hmm. Paul because he was being run out of business. Yeah. Like when the Holy Spirit comes, our dependence upon the things of this world and its wicked things goes away. Mm-hmm. And like we start to throw away our TVs, you know, yeah. like we, yeah. we, we start canceling Netflix, you know, we yeah. start doing these things and it disrupts the idols of our, of our day. Whenever the Holy Spirit starts to do his work on us. Mm-hmm. That's cool. This is like an aside. Yeah. But I think our best analog for witchcraft is technology. Yes. It's like when I can't hear the voice of God, where do I go? 
in witchcraft too, like I think uh, if any if any Wiccans are listening, they'd probably correct me on my understanding of witchcraft. Yeah. However, like I think like part of it is a desire to manipulate the forces of nature mm. for our own benefit or knowledge. Right. So what does Google do but promise me omnipotence? Like, right. what, I can like, know everything. I can know everything. I can be anywhere. Right. I, you know, like it's like the technology and witchcraft. Are, I can manipulate the forces of the world to satisfy me through mm. the internet. Yeah, you can. Yeah, totally. It, and so what God is promising to do is to free us from those the way that those things trap us. Yeah. And that happens when a leader from Bethlehem mm. is raised up and is crowned king, not just of Israel, but of the universe and sends himself and his spirit into all his new citizenry, his new mm. citizen, like the citizens of his kingdom. Right. Sheep in his flock. Sheep in his flock. Get that type of heart injustice embedded in them so that as they live in a world full of technology and witchcraft mm. and injustice and whatever else, they become beacons, cities on hills, right. lifted up above all the other cities so that people when they see it are asking questions. How are you like this? How does your how does this impact me? And we become cities on the hill. We yeah. become the the image of the kingdom of God right. that Micah imagines. That's so good, man. That's that that's great. Okay, well that's the second court court case of Micah, Micah chapter three through five. Uh, next week we'll wrap up Micah with the third and final court case in chapters six to seven. Right. That's right. All right. So see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.